Hello and welcome back to the Passive Real Estate Investor Podcast. And today we're going to be doing a little overview of the basics of passive real estate investing. And part of what we're going to be doing throughout these podcasts is really homing in on passive real estate investing, what you should be doing, what it is, what the different options are. And over time, this gives you more insight, more ideas, more strategies, and also more opportunities to invest in passive real estate investing deals. For us, we're going to continue drilling in what is passive real estate investing. And it really is a way to invest where you have substantial hands-off effort in the active participation in real estate. And so you do not have to be actively involved in the day-to-day management of the real estate investing. You are entrusting a sponsor or a manager to be doing the majority of the work. And what you do is you do your evaluation of whether the deal fits your investment thesis, whether the deal is in a market that you're interested in investing in, whether it's an asset type that you believe from your research is going to be improving over time. And then you ultimately invest the equity that you want into that deal. And so passive real estate investing really is hands off, but you still have, you really do still have to do the analysis. And it's not just a blind, I'm going to purchase this because it's an office property and I need an office property. What if that office property is in a declining market with very high crime? That's probably not an office building you want to be investing in. And so it really does fall on you. The the burden is yours. It is your money. So make sure that you are respecting your money. You're respecting your investment decisions and your beliefs. So then, then you invest in a property and then you are also entrusting that sponsor. So it's a little bit of research on the market. It's research on the property type. And it's also doing research on the sponsor and what their track record and success rate has been in the market. Now, a lot of people keep asking, what are the different types of passive real estate deals that you can do? And there are a lot. I mean, there are general stock plays where companies own a lot of real estate. McDonald's is a perfect example. While they are a burger business, while they are a restaurateur, they are also owners of land. They are owners of locations. They are owners of buildings. And so there's a real estate play embedded in their operating business. And so that is one way to invest passively in real estate. You'd be investing in both the business And you'd also be investing in their real estate holdings and their locations and ultimately in their long-term growth. Another way to do passive real estate investing is through real estate investment trusts. And real estate investment trusts are effectively stocks that are being managed by a company. And they are buying usually different types of asset classes in different locations and they will be managing the real estate investments, taking on the, the debt uh, at the REIT level, and they will be uh, distributing the cash flow in the form of a dividend uh, every quarter. And so a REIT is a very passive way to invest in real estate. Both of those types of investments offer liquidity stocks and REITs they offer liquidity you can get access to your cash 
And that is one of the benefits of having stocks and REITs in your passive real estate investing diversification strategy uh, because they are highly liquid. Another way to invest in passive real estate deals is through friends and family deals. And usually a friends and family deal is where you, where you know someone or you know someone who knows someone who is involved in the sponsoring of deals. And so if, if I am your friend, you can co-invest with me. I would be the manager of the investment. I would be acquiring a property. I'd be placing the debt on the property. I would be overseeing the management of the property, both the property management and the asset management, ensuring that you get your, the, the tax returns get done at the entity level and that you get your K-1, which is your personal tax document uh, that you would get every year from an investment in a deal. And so friends and family deals are, a way that many people start with because then you know someone who's in the business or you have you know a family member that's in the business it's someone that you generally know like and trust and that's how a lot of people get involved with their first real estate deals outside of purchasing a primary residence or a secondary secondary residence um, it's that they generally are doing a friends and family deal another way to invest is actually through sponsored deals and I call them sponsored deals because usually that's one step removed from friends and family. It's a similar structure. You have a manager in place who is in the business of investing in real estate and managing real estate. And those sponsors uh, may or may not be someone that you know, like, and trust. And so there's a little added diligence that you should be doing on what that track record is of that sponsor, whether it's an individual or a company, how they performed in the market, what types of assets they've invested in, what geographies they've invested in, what their track record has been like. And so there's a little bit of a, uh, the burden falls on you to do a little bit more diligence um, since you don't know, like, and trust that person maybe intimately. Uh, the Another type of deal that you can get involved with is crowdfunding. Obviously, crowdfunding has become quite ubiquitous over the last nearly 10 years now. And I have been doing crowdfunding deals, I believe, since 2014 now was the first crowdfunding deal I did, maybe 2013. Um, and that's very similar to a sponsored deal. It is where the sponsor, though, is raising money online. And so rules have been put in place with the Jobs Acts um, through the U.S. And you can invest with a sponsor whose business it is to be investing in real estate directly. And so crowdfunding has become a great way for sponsors to get access to investors that they may not otherwise have had access to. Uh, there's also a secondary level of diligence that gets done because with some of the best crowdfunding platforms, they are also doing a level of diligence. They are looking at the sponsor's track record. They are looking at a particular asset. Um, in a lot of respects, they're not doing the final judgment call. They're trying to see, has the sponsor performed? Has the sponsor met their objectives previously on previous investments? Do they have experience? And usually it's a lot of experience. Um, and do they know what they're doing in this particular asset type and in this particular geography that they're trying to crowdfund a deal for? But I find crowdfunding to be a fantastic uh, vehicle to use. 
I have invested in 30 or 40 crowdfunding deals now uh, all across the country with multiple sponsors. I've now become a repeat investor with a number of these sponsors who I've met from crowdfunding deals. Uh, I've got to know some of these sponsors uh, and I'm talking with them regularly now about upcoming deals that they may be having that aren't through the crowdfunding platforms. So they have become they have become sponsors that I know, like, and trust. And so part of the way I invest is I'm just not willing to invest in a particular deal. I have an investment thesis. I know what types of assets I'm good at investing in directly. I know which geographies I'm strongest investing in. Uh, but I am trying to get exposure to other markets where I may not have good access. Uh, for me, uh, right now, that's the Pacific, um, well, the Northeast is where I don't have um, good exposure. I haven't had great exposure uh, in the greater DC area, and I haven't had great exposure down in the Southeast. And so I'm building up a lot of those capabilities to invest in those markets because I really like those markets right now. There's a wide range of asset types that I may not be investing in directly. And so I want to get exposure. So I'm looking for best in class sponsors who can invest in those particular asset types in particular geographies. And then that gives me diversification, which is important for me. Uh, another type of vehicle that you can invest in are funds and funds come in all different shapes and sizes. They can be equity funds. They can be debt funds. Uh, they can be hybrid funds. Um, they can be preferred equity, mezzanine funds. Uh, so you really do have a range of what is being done in a fund. I am a huge fan of industrial. Industrial, I found, is very hard to buy unless you're buying kind of junky industrial uh, when I'm trying to buy direct. And so that's been a problem I've had. And so now I'm getting exposure through crowdfunding and through finding other sponsors and doing interviews. I'm getting involved in industrial investment through funds. And I've been doing this across the country with sponsors on the East Coast, with sponsors on the West Coast. And I'm getting access to big deals that I wouldn't have otherwise had access to. They, and the industrial market has, has been one that has always been very tight. It's been one that's been very difficult to get into, into the higher quality properties. And so I do know that there are a number of very good sponsors around the country. Um, I've now been co-investing with them both on one-off deals and also on uh, portfolios. And I've also been investing with them through funds. And in their funds, uh, I'll give access to my capital. And then they give me access to their various investments that they're making in different geographic locations uh, across the country. And so I've been very happy with those types of funds. I've also recently done a fund with a multifamily operator um, out of the mid-Atlantic. And I don't have a lot of exposure to multifamily in the mid-Atlantic, but that market has been doing really well. And so I invested in a fund uh, just recently with a group that's doing value-add repositioning of multifamily assets in the mid-Atlantic. So that is a that's a fund I was excited about getting involved with, and it's some sponsors that uh, I now know, like, and trust, and who I think are doing a good job. So uh, I decided that that would be good diversification for for me and my portfolio. Uh, but that 
is one of the areas where you can play in every single spectrum. Another area where you can do passive real estate investing is with debt investments. Uh, and debt investments range in what types of debt investments you're talking about. You can do senior secured notes. You can be investing in senior bridge notes where, where a sponsor is trying to reposition a property. Uh, you can do high leverage notes. You can invest in uh, debt funds. You can invest directly through trust deeds. Uh, I know in California and in some other markets, I've invested in trust deeds where you're taking a position as one of many uh, that are owning a debt piece. So if a sponsor of debt puts on a $10 million loan on a property uh, and you want to invest 100000 now all of a sudden you're getting exposure to... Uh, a property that you otherwise would not have had exposure to. So you may be a 1% owner of that debt piece, but you may be getting a 7%, 8%, 9%, 10% return. And in a lot of cases, those are shorter term debt pieces. And so you might be getting paid back in six months to two years. Uh, and so you've got your investment out for a while, but it's uh, it's a great diversification strategy and one where if it's not too highly levered, you generally feel very good that you're going to be getting your, your principal back plus the return that you signed up for. Now, the sponsor is the one who gets the upside in most cases, unless the debt piece is, you know, mezzanine or preferred equity, where they might have some kind of kicker on top. And a kicker is where they, they may share in the profit for giving some additional leverage uh, for the debt. But those are a few ways that you can do uh, passive real estate deals. Those are some of the different types of passive real estate investments that are available in the market. And in my opinion, I mean, owning real estate is really one of the best strategies for diversification. And as you'll hear me say, the reason I like passive real estate investing is that it really does give diversification. And maybe this is partly because I'm conservative by nature. But I'm conservative because in 1999-2000, I had the majority of my money at the time tied up in internet stocks, tech stocks, that as we all know, when the bubble burst, I had a portfolio that basically got obliterated. At the end of the day, my total portfolio size was worth about 8% of what it had started with. So I just didn't think it could continue and be as bad as it was. Plus, I was young, little dumb, inexperienced. I had done some margins because I was trying to beef up my, my growth. Those margin calls absolutely crushed me. So when I had debt on my stock portfolio, it absolutely crushed me. And I had built up a portfolio at 22. That was a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it was, you know, it was big for me at the time. And at the end of the day, it was worth about 15,000, which is still more money than I had started with. But, you know, to go from 200,000 to 15,000, and I was only in a couple of stocks and I was really only in one sector, it, it was eye opening for me. And that really changed my perspective. I became extremely conservative. I became much more about cash flow. I became much more of a value stock player than a growth stock player. And I also realized I wanted physical assets with something that I had maybe not 
total control over, but a little bit more control, a little bit more uh, ability to, to have a, a, a viewpoint or a decision on how to add value in that particular asset. And so for me, passive real estate investing really gives you that diversification. And the three primary diversification types that I'm a huge fan of is looking at diversifying by asset type. Now, asset type for me really goes into different property types. This is residential properties. This is mobile home parks. It's multifamily properties, student housing. It can be senior assisted living for nursing homes. Uh, it can be Alzheimer's or dementia units for healthcare properties. It can be industrial. And for industrial, it can be light industrial. It can be warehouse space. It can be distribution warehouse centers. It can be last mile industrial. There's a whole range uh, of property types that you can get involved with. And, and that's the same with multifamily. You can have class A properties that are usually newer and have a lot of amenities. You can have class B properties, which are a little bit older, might have some amenities. Class C, generally older stock, not many amenities. Class D, I don't get involved with, but that can usually be, uh, you know, housing that maybe in a, that might be much, much older and maybe in not the greatest area of town. Um, I try not to invest in those deals, even though I know people who do and do very well there. Other asset types that you can look at are office buildings, R&D, flex. You can be looking at hotels, uh, resorts. There's a, there's a whole number of asset types that you can be investing in. And that diversification comes down to where do you want to be over the next three to seven years? Where do you, where do you see the market going? A lot of people right now, given the pandemic, have been worried about office space. You know, I'm not real worried about office space long term. I, I do think office will come back. I do think there's ways to reposition it. I do think that you can make it into lab space. Uh, you can also convert it into residential. Not easy, but it can be done. Um, so there, I'm, I'm not as worried about office as some people. I also think that there is a natural desire for people to work together. Not everyone is good at working at their home or on their own. And so I do think that there is a place for the office. Uh, another type of diversification strategy that I look at for passive real estate investing is geographic diversification. I invest all over the US, that is still my main market, but I do also invest in Latin America and I invest in Europe. I have never invested in Asia at this point, uh, but I have invested in Australia. Um, so, and I've, I've only been to Australia a couple times in my life and I've, uh, I've invested there cause I like the market. I think it's got a lot of good opportunities. I'm no longer invested there right now. The properties were sold, but, um, it is an interesting market to be invested in. And I have never invested in real estate in Africa at this point. Um, it's just, I don't know what I don't know. But I will look at uh, geography, and I think having geographic diversification is extremely beneficial because from an economic standpoint, one area of the world, while the, while the world is tied globally, some areas of the world are doing better economically than others. Some are in different cycles of their economy, and so maybe ramping up while other markets are slowing down. And I like to have that kind of exposure. Uh, we've seen that in the U.S. as well. Places during the 
during the Great Recession, like the Silicon Valleys, did extremely well, while some pockets of the Rust Belt didn't do so well. But now the Rust Belt is redefining itself, and now a lot of those markets are starting to do better again. And so it's one of these things where everything goes in, in ebbs and flows, and you have to be monitoring that. But look at where you think that there's going to be some growth long term and where you think the in-migration is. It comes down to demographics. It comes down to uh, where jobs are being created. And so I look a lot at geography based on where there's in-migration and where there's jobs. I also look at where there are better business decisions being made from a political standpoint. If the politicians are starting to clamp down and get greedy in terms of what kind of fees that they're charging for development, uh, or what kind of restrictions they're putting in place on businesses to do things, I will look away from those markets. And San Francisco is a perfect example for me. I love San Francisco, lived there for a long time, great city. I think the politics there are very challenging right now. And so I am, I am not investing in San Francisco. Uh, will that change? Probably, because San Francisco is one of those cities that always comes back. And I don't think that's going to change, but I don't like the I don't like the the burden that's being put on business leaders um, from the politicians right now. And so I'm going to stay away from that market because I'm not big enough to fight it. Uh, another way that uh, you can look at diversification with passive real estate is through sponsors. So I am a believer that I don't just only want to be investing with myself. I think that it's wise to be investing with other sponsors. I can learn better best practices. I can learn from people. I am not arrogant enough to think that I know everything. I'm good at a number of things that I do and I can get better. And I believe that all sponsors can do that. So I also look at sponsors and I like sponsors who are very communicative. I like sponsors who do their research. I like sponsors who aren't flying by the seat of their pants. Um, so I am very comfortable with sponsors who are actually making rational decisions based on economics, based on what they are learning from their research, what they are seeing in the market, what types of opportunities that they're coming across, and also with their relationships. Um, there's a sponsor that I'm working with out of the Atlanta area that is just fantastic in the Southeast right now. And they are getting deals in Georgia, in Tennessee, in South Carolina, in North Carolina. And every deal that I've seen is very interesting. It's deals that I wouldn't see otherwise. And they just have very good flow right now. And they have very good access to brokers. So I've been investing in a number of their deals. I like the way that they operate. I like their business model. Uh, and I think they're good at executing. So that's a group where I'm getting sponsor diversification. I'm not going to put everything I have with them, uh, but I will I will look at them and invest. There's another group out of New Jersey that I invest with in the New Jersey area and also in Florida. And they've got uh, headquarters in both locations and they do a great job in especially central and south Florida and in uh, central and north New Jersey. And so I do quite a bit of investing with them as well. Again, not going to give them everything, but uh, they are sponsors that I am starting to know, like, and trust and that I think perform. And so I will continue investing with them.
fourth type of diversification strategy that you can get, and this is one that not everybody cares about, uh, but it also alludes to my geographic comment earlier, and this is foreign currency diversification. Not everyone has a need to get foreign currency diversification. I'm not sure I have much of a need outside of the US dollar and the euro because that's where I do the majority of my business now. Uh, but like I said, I have uh, invested in Australia. Didn't need the Australian dollar, but I invested there anyway. Um, I have invested in Latin America. I don't really need to get exposure to Brazilian reais. Don't really need to get exposure to Colombian pesos. Um, don't really need to get exposure to Mexican pesos. But those are places where I have looked at. Um, those are places where I have invested. Um, some markets also invest mostly in dollars when it comes to real estate. Panama is a perfect example, and I love that market. Panama is a fantastic market with a lot of growth. Small country, uh, but it is a it's a great a great market. I'm not getting currency diversification there, but you do get geographic diversification. Some of the things you need to look at for passive real estate investing are the metrics. And what I mean by the metrics are the returns that you can be getting and how you evaluate some of those deals. So for passive real estate deals, the, the big things to look at are what your cash on cash return is going to be. And a cash on cash return is the money that you get as your dividend compared to the equity you put in. So if we use the example of you putting in $100,000 into a passive real estate investment deal, and the deal might have been raising 10 million of equity, let's say. So you're, again, you're a 1% owner. The, the property may be a $30 million property. Uh, so you've got two-thirds debt, one-third equity. You have put in 10 million uh, total. You are 100,000 of that deal. And the cash on cash on that deal for, for your 100,000, maybe let's call it you're getting 10,000 per year. So you're getting a 10% cash on cash. Now, those, that's very high cash on cash return for real estate at this moment in time. A lot of the returns in year one are somewhere between four to 7%. And so let's say a more realistic on that example is that you put in 100,000 and you're getting 5% cash on cash. So you would expect to get $5,000 per year of cash flow. And that's one of the metrics you need to look at because I'm, as I said, I am a big cash on cash investor. I believe that your cash on cash is the is a nice base. It's the cushion from where you operate. Now things can happen. You can lose tenants. You can have problems at the property, and that may change the dynamic because there is risk in any type of investing that you're doing. But uh, you know, if you're getting a five percent cash on cash, at least you have a, a base there, and there's some there's some cushion in the event that something happens. Another metric that you look at is an internal rate of return. Uh, that is effectively a, a time value of money concept from the day that you invest into the day that you get paid back everything. The internal rate of return takes in your initial equity investment, uh, all the cash flow that you received, any refinancing proceeds that you may have received along the way, uh, and ultimately any sale proceeds that you get from the sale of the property plus your return of equity. And it takes that calculation uh, it, it looks at the exact time period um, in number of months 
of how much you invested and then gives you an annualized return based on those number of months. And internal rate of return is great. Sometimes it can be misleading because if you get a nice pop in year one, uh, you may have had a 20% IRR and you may have got that in one year, but if you put in $100,000, then effectively you got back $120,000. It's not bad, um, but if you got that same 20% return over a three-year period, 20 IRR would have meant you would have got approximately 160,000 back. And so IRR can be a little misleading because you really have to know what time period you're talking about. The third metric you look at with passive real estate investing deals is equity multiple. And equity multiple is my favorite method uh, because what it shows is if I put in $100,000 into a deal and I get a 2x equity multiple, then over my hold period, I went from $100,000 to $200,000. So if I had that same example where we were talking about IRR, the one-year IRR on if I would have got a 20% IRR and only held for one year, my equity multiple really would have been about 1.2. If I had held for three years, my equity multiple was 1.6. And so this is where I look at the different numbers. I like the equity multiple because my goal, generally speaking, is to have good cash on cash and to work on doubling my money every five to seven years. And so if you're doubling your money every five to seven years, then that equity multiple becomes important. Uh, an IRR is, is a nice metric to show that you're, you're having some nice wins, uh, but it really depends on the, on the hold period. Uh, and if you don't know the hold period, it can sometimes look a little misleading. So with the basics of passive real estate investing, you also want to really understand what the benefits are. And the benefits of passive real estate investing is that it's generally hands-off for you you do not have to be involved in the day-to-day -day management. It's something where you get to make your decision about making an investment, and then you get to track the cash flow coming in on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis, and your ultimate returns. You can still talk with the sponsors, you can still have communications with them, but you're effectively hands-off. You're not making the day-to-day -day decisions. You are entrusting whatever sponsor it is that you're investing with to make the right decisions for the ownership. And from what I have found, generally speaking, most sponsors, I believe, are trustworthy. Most sponsors are trying to do the right thing. Of course, there's stories. There are people who have not been doing the right thing. There's people that are uh, misleading investors. But I think that is a small majority or a small minority compared to the majority. Another benefit of passive real estate investing is that you're able to get better diversification. You know, I harp on this, but it's asset type, geography, and sponsor, and then currency diversification as well if you want, but you get that diversification. The benefit of passive real estate investing is that you are investing in a physical asset, and that physical asset does offer an inflation hedge. It also offers tax shelter. And then my favorite things related to passive real estate is that it not only provides current cash flow, but it also provides upside potential as well. And so these are some of the benefits that you need to think about related to passive real estate investing. And that comes in with the basics of why you should be investing in passive real estate. 
And then as, you know, just to wrap it up, some of the ways, like we said, some of the ways to invest in passive real estate, you can do this directly through stocks and through REITs. You don't get the tax shelter with stocks and REITs, but you do get, you do get liquidity. And so you have the ability to sell if you want to, and that should make things easier for you. Um, As a limited member, limited partner, you can also invest through another sponsor's limited partnership or LLC or their investment entity. And that is a way that you can invest in passive real estate. You can invest as a limited partner through friends and family deals or through a fund, or you can do it, like we said, through debt or through a trust deed. But there are a lot of benefits of passive real estate investing. These are really the basics of passive real estate investing, the different types, the, G, the diversification that you get, uh, understanding the metrics, those three metrics are the most important, understanding some of the benefits of passive real estate investing, and then how to invest in passive real estate. So in future episodes, we are going to be also talking about uh, different ways to structure these passive real estate deals, uh, going in depth on the primary metrics, discussing some of the pros and cons, Uh, really delving into what is a sponsor, what's a limited partner, what's a fund, what is an LLC, what's an LP. And so over time, we're going to be discussing a lot of the things that make up passive real estate investing and then talking about some of the the benefits and, you know, some of the different ways that you can do it. And one of my goals here is to also provide access to our members in the future to a fund that we create where you can get access to the different investments that we're making. And that way we can all co-invest together and you can pick and choose which investments are the most interesting to you and then be able to allocate different levels of funding to those. Um, And then we would provide you with the tax documentation. So that's something that we're exploring right now. It's something that I think will be a benefit over time. Um, And it's, What has driven me to do this? I've been successful in real estate because I've been open to talking with different partners. I have worked with people who are smarter than me. I've worked with people who know the business better than me. I have financed their properties. I have co-invested. I've invested on my own. But one of the things that I think makes me successful is that I also understand when a good deal crosses, I try to get an allocation to that so that I can invest in that deal. And I hear from my friends and family very often that they don't have that access. They haven't had that exposure. So to the extent possible, if we can provide some sort of vehicle to our members in the future and to our friends and family so that they can get access, that's something that I think is valuable and and beneficial. And on that note, wanted to say thank you again for joining the podcast today. Uh, As we've discussed, this is a general education podcast related to passive real estate investing. We're not offering any advice. We're not offering any uh, access to funding of deals, but we are talking about concepts. We are learning together and we are going through different elements uh, related to real estate and real estate investing as general education. Thank you very much, and I look forward to speaking with you again on the next podcast.